Hello, my beautiful audience, and welcome to the latest installments of Pasta Time Podcast. We have three creepy pastas for you today. We have an awesome rate and review of the entire season of Twilight Zone, the 2000 series, and we also have some pretty interesting news and notes. But before we get into all of that, I went garage sailing again this weekend, and let's go through my garage sale finds. So first off, I found a couple of older iPod Nanos, both 8 gigabytes. I paid about $10 each for, or $10 for them each, and they're both pretty awesome. Why do I need two, you ask? So I can listen to two different songs in my ears while I'm running. No, not really. I I gave one to my girlfriend, and I'm keeping one for myself. The next thing I found was a 3D Blu-ray player that my buddies found for me, and then I paid 20 bucks for it, so not a bad find, not a bad find. But the one and greatest find of the whole day was the complete series of Twilight Zone, the original series from, like, the 40s uh, by Rod Sterling, all on VHS, and me and Dan Montanino of Pop Culture Convo both went in on it and bought it. So I know what you're thinking. How are two people going to share the entire set of Twilight Zone on VHS? Well, I was thinking it'd be like a kind of a divorced parents type thing. I mean, I'll have the kids on the evenings and weekends, every second week, whatever. Dan can have them... The rest of the time. But right now, they are in my basement, and I've been having a ball going through them and just staring at them. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing, if I do say so myself. But that's not all that I found garage sailing. I also found quite a few Nintendo DS games. I've never owned or played really a DS in my life, and this weekend, I kind of got into it. I bought like three or four games, some Grand Theft Auto, Call of Duty, Black Ops, but most importantly, Pokemon Diamond, which I have just been fiending. So... I didn't own a DS, so I had to go pick one up, so now I own a DS and a bunch of games, and I've just been going crazy on Pokemon, which kind of leads me into this episode. I mean, there's a couple requests I was reading, and then this, just how much I've been playing Pokemon kind of made me want to read a Pokemon creepypasta. So the third and final creepypasta I will read today will be Shadow Trainer Red by Hipster War Turtle. So I can't wait for that, but I will also be reading Immortal, which, uh was written by The Other Ghost Girl and requested by Zeus Castillo. So thanks for the request again. And the first story I'll be reading is Goosebumps, The Lost Episode. Now, Dan from Pop Culture Convo told me to read this one. He said the ending's not so good, but everything before that is great. So as you know, I'm a gigantic fan of Goosebumps. And if you're a fan of Goosebumps, I'm assuming we're all going to love this story, even if it is crap, just because nostalgia alone can carry some stories all the way to the finish line. And that's all I need, some nostalgia in my life. But that does it for my garage sale finds this week. But Oh, actually, thrifting, I found probably the greatest find of my life. I found R.L. Stein's more and more and more tales to give you goosebumps. So if you don't know, along with all the amazing stories in the first series, he R.L. Stein also released a bunch of these side books that are short stories, and they were called uh, Tales to Give You Goosebumps, More Tales to Give You Goosebumps, Still More Tales to Give You Goosebumps, and so on and so on. But I love this one specifically because it is holiday and Christmassy stories, which are amazing. I've never seen this book before in my life, so when I saw it, I almost had a heart attack It sitting there in Value Village. I was like, oh my god, is this real life? And then I lost my shit. But I can't read it yet, which is the shitty part, because I'm kind of a sucker for Christmas, and I can't read or even look at anything Christmas-related or that reminds me of Christmas until 
probably about mm, the day after Halloween, I consider the first day on our journey to Christmas. So in that two-month time frame, I can start watching movies, reading amazing stories, and I have a lot to go through this year. So this will surely be on the very top of my list, and I just can't wait to get to it. If um, I'm pretty sure I put a picture of it on the Facebook page or on Twitter, so make sure you like us on Facebook.com slash Podcast or on Twitter at Podcast. And yeah, I just can't wait to read this thing. But that's it for all the crazy crap I've bought this week. Now let's just jump right into our horror fix. So to kick off our horror fix, I just wanted to pay some respects to a horror icon, and that is Betsy Palmer. So she played Pamela Voorhees, uh, Jason's mother in the first one, if you haven't seen in the first Friday the 13th. So if you haven't seen the first Friday the 13th, um, I just fucked it up for you. But just thought we'd pay our respects. This happened last week, but I recorded my podcast right before it happened, so I didn't get to it. But I'm getting to it now, so mad props to Betsy Palmer. Now on to the crazy shit. A release date has been confirmed for the upcoming survival horror game Soma, and that date is the 22nd of September. They also released a 10-minute gameplay video, which looks pretty awesome. This game's only being released on the PS4 and PC, so sucks for you Xbox uh, one owners, you don't get to play this crazy-ass game. If you haven't heard of Soma before, it's a sci-fi horror game, also survival horror, and it's set underwater at a remote research for- facility as well as just, like, on the ocean floor while you're going to different research facilities and stuff. It was created by Frictional Games, who also created Amnesia. Super creepy-ass game. Might want to check that one out as well. And I've talked about Soma before on the podcast, so I don't really want to delve in deeper on it. But it looks amazing. Survival horror game set underwater. Kind of reminded me of Bioshock. Just a little creepier. Or you could say a lot creepier, which is a huge statement considering how creepy Bioshock was and what kind of impact it had on me playing video games. One of my favorite games of all time. But this looks like it can be just as good. Um, It's going to be aspects of technology taking over people. Here's some alien shit. So all that stuff put together. I've even heard ghost stuff. Just everything. What else could you want in a game? I mean, come on. Just buy it. So that'll be out September 22nd. And on to the last thing I wanted to talk about in this horror fix. So if you've been on the internet in the past week or two, you might have seen the Charlie Charlie challenge for yourself. You might have done it yourself. And you might be creeped all to hell because you think it's real. Well, I'd hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it is complete and utter bullshit. This was a marketing ploy by Warner Brothers for their upcoming movie, The Gallows, which I just checked out a trailer for a little while ago. It looks pretty good uh, from the makers of Insidious. And yeah, so all marketing. Look at this marketing in this day and age. Genius. I like it. But if you're a little kid who's been freaked out about Charlie Charlie coming to get you, have no fear. He's not coming. But I really like the idea of this marketing campaign. It's kind of like a modern version of Bloody Mary, which scared the crap out of me as a kid. Or if you're a big South Park fan, modern version of Biggie Smalls. If you haven't seen that episode, it's 
fucking hilarious. Um, not sure which one it is. I know it's a Halloween episode, but I can't quote episode numbers and seasons off the top of my head. As much as I'd like to, I just don't have the time to study South Park. But make sure you check that out. Google it. You're big people. You can find it yourself. But uh, one more thing about The Gallows. In the trailer, um, the music playing in the background is a cover of Smells Like Teen Spirit, and it's been turned into like a really slow song, and a, it has a female vocalist. And it just sounded so strange to me. I couldn't even tell it was Smells Like Teen Spirit off the, like, off the bat. But I don't know how to feel about it, so maybe you could shed some light. Maybe uh, message us on Twitter. Tweet us at Pass the Podcast. Let us know your thoughts. But that does it for our horror fix, so let's jump into the creepypastas. This is Goosebumps The Lost Episode. Goosebumps was one of the highlights of my childhood. I must have read nearly every book and watched a great deal of the episodes. The best thing was why the stories were scary. Most of them had monsters, ghosts, and demons. But I loved the ones that really fucked with your brain, like Shocker on Shock Street. Goosebumps was my favorite series of books, even if they did keep me up during the night. But on to the last week. I was clearing up my spare bedroom, which was packed full of boxes, books, and mostly old clothes, which was strange seeing as I'd only been living in the house for three months now. I found an old Tupperware box with the word Goosebumps written across it. All my old Goosebumps books were in it. A wave of nostalgia crept over me, and I was even near tears as I looked at the covers that had scared me shitless as a kid. A lot of the pages were dog-eared, and I found two bookmarks and six business cards. At the bottom of the box was a VHS tape with Goosebumps Hide and Seek written in blue marker on it. I honestly can't remember owning any of the episodes from the TV show, so it was odd that it was there. I didn't think too much of it at the time, and decided it would bring back a few memories if I watched it. It took a while to find the video player through all the clutter, but after about 20 minutes, I found it. It started off with R.L. Stein emerging from under a chair. He started talking about a game, Hide and Seek. Isn't it great when you find such a good hiding spot that they can't find you till the very end, he said, sitting on the chair. But sometimes the best hiding spots can be the worst, he continued. Then the episode began. It started with three girls sitting in a circle. One of them was telling a scary story. Stop it, Amy, you're scaring me, shouted one of the girls. Grow up, Rachel, it's not real, mocked Amy. Maybe we should do something else, Amy, said another girl. It's a sleepover, Emily. That's what you do. Tell scary stories. But seeing as you're too much of a scaredy cat, we'll do something else. Let's play hide and seek, exclaimed Rachel. All right, not it, shouted Emily. Not it, shouted Rachel. Okay, I'll count to 60, said Amy. One, two, three. Emily ran down the hall and hid in a cupboard. After waiting a while, she checked her watch and called out. Guys, have you given up yet? She opened the doors and looked out. She was in a dark room. There was a small dude with a fucked up blurry face standing in front of her. Welcome, he said in a deep voice. Who are you, asked Emily in a panicky voice. Wait till my parents get home. They'll find me. The man chuckled. You humans humor me. Your parents hate you. You hate your parents. No, I don't. I love them and they love me, Emily cried. Love is just a chemical reaction, made up to make us feel like living is worth something. We all hate each other. Feelings are made up to comfort us. Emily crawled back into the cupboard crying. You could hear her banging on the back of the door. Then, the man looked at the camera. Your parents hate you too. 
Love is fake. You hate all of your so-called friends. No one cares about you. You don't care about anyone. There's no point in living. We just like to pretend there is. You might as well just end it now. It is not as painful as you may think. It cut to Emily inside the cupboard. She opened the doors again. The man was still there. He was about to say something, but I stopped it before he did. I sat there for a half an hour, staring at the static. I went and had a shower. Probably drove the neighbors crazy seeing as it was midnight, but I didn't give a shit. I tried distracting myself by reading, but I couldn't make sense of the words. All I could hear were his words. Nobody cares about me. I care about no one. I said them to myself over and over again. I tried going online, I browsed around some boards on 4chan, tried reading a few fanfics, but I couldn't get those words out of my head. I went on Facebook, all these friends messaging me, inviting me to parties, posting pictures of me. They don't care about me. Feelings are made up to comfort us. Love's only a chemical reaction. I might as well just end it all right now. Well, that was disappointing. I was really hoping for a lot in this creepypasta, considering it has goosebumps in it. I just didn't want to believe Dan when he said that it had a terrible ending, which it pretty much did. Not a big fan of the ending. The idea was awesome. So I'm just going to give this a rating here. I'm giving it 5.5 out of 10. Um, If you're wondering at home how I do my ratings, I guess I've never really explained it. So I'll do that now. I have this kind of criteria that's divided into four different uh, quadrants, I guess. Um, You get 2.5 for scariness, 2.5 story quality, 2.5 for the idea, and then 2.5 for the quality of writing. So for this one, I gave quality 1.0, scariness 1.0, quality of writing 1.0. It just didn't flow very well to me. And the idea was 2.5 because it had goosebumps, so it's an easy way to get a 2.5 for me if you're writing a creepypasta. But yeah, that's how I do it. So I'll probably mention that stuff more while I'm rating and reviewing the creepypastas. From now on, maybe I'll just give the complete breakdown. But that does it for that first creepypasta. Now here's a micropasta called Immortal. I became immortal at some point during the 1800s. I'm not exactly sure when. Because unlike any stories you may have heard, there is no one event I could point to as the source of my condition. I suppose there could have been something in the family well or in the food I ate, but it's equally possible that I've been immortal since I was born and never realized it. Or at least until I ran afoul of a local factory owner. I'm still not entirely sure how that came about, as I had always been cordial in my dealings with him and had never inadvertently done something that would have changed his life or even his day for the better or for the worst. It's possible that he wanted my land for some reason, or that he simply had the desire to kill someone. I doubt I'll ever know, and it hardly matters now. All that does matter is that late one night he wrapped me in chains and threw me into Lake Erie. Although it's been maddening sitting here at the bottom for so long, there is some hope. Every year, my chains become weaker, and the light filtering from the surface seems to get a little closer. My only concern is how people will react, because I doubt all these years at the bottom of the lake have been kind to me. So I'm not really sure how I feel about this particular creepypasta, because at first I really liked it, because I thought it was um, written about uh, Bessie, the lake monster from Lake Erie. 
But uh, looking back, it doesn't really make sense because the first sighting was in 1793, and it says this person— this immortal became immortal at some point during the 1800s, and also that it was wrapped in chains and threw to the bottom of Lake Erie. Um, yeah, that wouldn't matter because Bessie has been, lives in the water, right? So I guess this is just some sort of unearthly immortal being. Um, I don't know. I felt like there's a lot more they could have done with this. It was a micropasta, so it was all right. If it was about the lake monster from Lake Erie, Bessie, then I think I would have given this around like a seven because it's kind of a cool, quick backstory. But if it's just about like a vampire or just some person that's immortal that's been kind of chained up in the bottom of the ocean, uh, they don't seem very mean at all. So this just wasn't very scary at all. Um, The writing was still all right and the quality of the story not so good. The idea was all right, so I'd probably be giving it a total of 4.5 out of 10. So that's that's probably what it is, 4.5, because I don't see it being about the lake monster Bessie. And if it was, I guess they have some inaccuracies in their story, so then it would still be a 4.5. So 4.5. Cool. On to the very last story. I have never read this one, and I hope it's good. I hope it brings this uh, this episode around. It was written by Hipster War Turtle, and it's called Shadow Trainer Red. People always joked that there was something unnatural about him, something inhuman. They joked about it often, referencing his otherworldly battling skills and silent demeanor. But they didn't know how right they were. The first thing anyone noticed about Red was his eyes, or at least the fact that it was so hard to see them. The brim of his hat left them in a shadow much too deep for it to possibly cast, and the way he was shifted, bearing downward all but obscured them from view. Did he even have eyes, they wondered? The next missing feature was his mouth. Red has a mouth, but it was so thin and lipless as to practically be a line drawn across his face. Sometimes it half-smiled, and sometimes it was so flat it was barely there at all. The mouth thing, they figured, kind of made sense. After all, Red never said anything. Not a word. Some people said he was mute. Some said that he'd simply chosen not to use his voice. A boy like Red attracts rumors like magnets does metal. The less he appeared to the world, the more the world made of his appearances. The more impassive and inscrutable his manner, the more they imagined lurking behind his silence. These rumors, sometimes they have a way of rounding themselves into something like the truth. The darkest set of rumors were the least plausible and realistic, but they were the most intriguing. Everybody whispered them to each other in dark rooms or referenced them in scary stories on the internet. There were many versions, but they were all similar. Red is evil, a demon, a ghost. Whenever you are with someone else, You're safe. He won't let anyone else hear. If you're alone, you're dead. He likes small children best. They're easy to frighten. They can't defend themselves. They taste delicious. The first thing you will see is his eyes, and then you will know that you're going to die. His eyes were as red as blood, a color so liquid, deep, and sharp that it glows. They were wide, So wide, you feel yourself falling headfirst into them and being consumed. Horrible eyes that burn like coals as he raises his gaze towards you. He whispers something, 
then you see the much worse thing. Then you see his mouth. His mouth which opens, the thin line splitting and tearing and turning into a gaping hole that already looks like it's dripping with blood. His mouth which never stops widening, disfiguring his face and stretching on and on as his eyes burn. And in an instant, you're all swallowed up. It's a little silly, of course. He never lets you escape. He only gets you when you're alone. So how do they know these details about the whole thing? That's what any sane person would say. That's what anyone who hasn't seen what I've seen would say. Or rather, who hasn't heard what I've heard. I've met Red once, before he was renowned enough for all these rumors to start. Back when the only fame he had was within Town for being the strange child who left, set out on his own at the age of 10. It was in the gate to Victory Road. He was gaining a bit of fame for himself with his fast ascension through the gyms, and he'd made it to the Indigo Plateau much faster than anyone before him. When I saw him, I, a trainer too, then wanted to say something. Something about how he inspired me, but I knew he didn't speak, and to speak to him seemed odd. So I only gave him a smiling nod and continued past. Then, he whispered something. I turned back as if he had called my name. I hadn't caught what he'd said, but the moment I saw him, his ghastly, terrible face, I knew what it was. His eyes shining with a sick brightness, and his mouth opening like an unhinged jaw of a snake. That whisper wormed its way in and out of my ears, even though in that dripping, unfathomable gash of a mouth, he had no tongue to speak with. There was nothing there. I felt primal, soul-consuming terror. This wasn't just death. This was the abyss. I was about to cease to exist. Then, suddenly, the mouth was shut, closing not quite perfectly into a tattered or almost stitched together shape. His eyes remained fixed on me, and the ruined and twisted closure of his mouth formed a half smile. I can't tell you what he said. I remember it, of course, as much as I remember as fast as my legs have ever carried me. If you think I escaped, you're dead wrong. They called me crazy, and I don't disagree, and moved on. But it makes a great story, and I doubt I'm the only one he's done this to. So before long, people were telling that story. I'll never get back what that mouth stole. I'll never be able to look at anything without imagining it consumed by the abyss. I'll never be able to look at anyone without wanting to whisper to them, and move in close, and swallow them and their screams, and their voice until everything is silent. So that was Shadow Trainer Red by Hipster War Turtle, and you know what? It was all right. It's a pretty decent story I found. I'm also a sucker for Pokemon, and of course, Trainer Red is the protagonist from the amazing original series, the red, green, blue, yellow. And I don't remember him being creepy at all, but I like this take on him, so... That means I like the story. It wasn't written very, as well as I'd liked, and I would have liked it to be a bit longer. I would have liked to know the, what he got whispered in his ear. Uh, it's kind of a big part of the story, so kind of pissed me off that we didn't get to find out. But all in all, it was pretty good. So for story quality, I gave 1.2. Scariness, 1.2. The idea, 2.0. Mmm, great idea. And the writing was about a 1.0 because there was a few spelling mistakes, uh, grammar, and also, it flowed a little strange at some times. But other than that, 
Good story. 6.4 out of 10. But on to the very last segment of the show, which is, of course, Rate and Review. So in this installment of Rate and Review, I'm reviewing the 2002 to 2003 series of The Twilight Zone. So this series starred so many great actors, I thought I'd just name off a few. So there was Shooter McGavin, Newman and George, both from Seinfeld, Jesse from Saved by the Bell. Maybe I'll start saying their actual names. Uh, there was Jake Busey, uh, Portia de Rossi, Shannon Elizabeth from American Pie, Lou Diamond Phillips, Jason Bateman, Linda Cordelloni from uh, one of my favorite shows, Freaks and Geeks, Jeremy Piven, and of course, the host of the show, Forrest Whitaker. Now, I didn't name all the actors in the show. That's just kind of scratching the surface. I'll talk about a few more when I talk about some of my favorite episodes. But all in all, it was a great season or great series, great buy for myself. Uh, There's about 30-something, 40 episodes, and the majority were pretty good. I mean, there's a few that kind of sucked. I mean, To Protect and Serve wasn't so good. Um, That one was starring Usher and uh, Gabriel Miller or Lacey from Corner Gas, if you don't know who Gabriel Miller is. And so Usher saves this prostitute from getting murdered and after saving her from certain death. But then Usher starts to receive phone calls of, uh, from somebody threatening the life of the same prostitute. And Usher goes and tries to help her, but she doesn't want any help. Oh, she doesn't need help. And what do you know? She gets fucking killed. But then Usher starts receiving phone calls from her. So... Ooh, crazy stuff. The whole episode was kind of boring to me, um, ending kind of dumb. Not going to ruin the ending, of course, but that one's probably not worth watching. Uh, Sensuous Cindy, that's another one that probably isn't worth watching. Um, Some guy is getting married to his wife, and for some reason the wife doesn't want to have sex for like six months until their marriage, so this guy's like blue balls central over here. But then um, it's starring uh, Greg German, or German, I don't know how to say his name. He was in Talladega Nights. He... um, was the boss of Ricky Bobby, and he begins having sex with this virtual computer program played by um, Jamie Presley because his wife won't bone him. So this just, it's a weird kind of story. Uh, I'm not going to ruin the ending, but it's a very unexpected ending, but it's just not, it's not worth it. <laughs> not worth sitting through it. It's not that great. It's, it's still better than her. So if you're going to decide between watching her or this episode, watch uh, Sensuous Cindy. So... Yeah, but maybe I should be talking about some of the episodes that I actually did enjoy. So I'll start with a couple obvious ones. Um, well, I don't say I wouldn't say I enjoyed this one to the fullest. Uh, the monsters are due on Maple Street. The original was a lot better to me because, well, I are I didn't know the ending obviously, and now I did. And this one was just the same thing uh, taken up to an extreme. So. Didn't like it as much, obviously, but if you haven't ever watched the episode of this community or this group of families that live on Maple Street, all their power goes out, their cars stop working, everything on their block just goes out, and then they start trying to figure out who's to blame, and uh, they decide to put the blame on the neighbors that had just moved in, considering one of them's an electrician, and they turn into an angry mob, and there's only one guy that's trying to kind of stop them, and he just gets fucking knocked around. So it's kind of messed up, and it's a really good look at what happens to humans, happens to people when everything's taken away, all their electronics, and they become afraid. And it just shows what kind of extremes they'll go to to kind of make themselves safe or feel better about themselves. But all in all, good episode. If you haven't seen the original, The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street, this is The Monsters Are on Maple Street. But the one from the uh, 
60s or whatever, way better. Watch that one first if you haven't seen this one. But either way, either way, it's worth a watch. Uh, another episode I liked was um, <laughs> Azoth the Avenger. Um, this one had Joe from Family Guy playing this, like, Conan lookalike. And it was just amazing to me because it's fucking Joe from Family Guy. His acting wasn't very good in it, and the episode itself was kind of boring. I was just kind of happy to see Joe from Family Guy. But he, Joe plays Azoth the Avenger. Some kid brings him to life. He's an action figure and a comic book hero just to kind of beat up bullies and stand up to his stepfather who's, like, beating his mom. So, yeah, it's an okay episode, worth a watch. But they're all worth a watch. It's a Twilight Zone. But another one that I liked was actually another remake um, of The Eye of the Beholder. So this one isn't very different at all from the original Eye of the Beholder, which is probably, well, top three Twilight Zone episodes of all time. And so if you haven't heard of this one, it starts off with this woman waking up in a hospital with bandages all around her face. And she's just had surgery because she's so hideous and she just wants to look like everybody else. But when she removes the bandages... You see what the true horror is in the episode. Uh, so scary. But this is one of the best episodes ever. Great reveal. But personally, it's better to watch the one from the 60s first. I just thought it built it, built it up better. Better episode all around. Still good to take a look at, though. Make sure you check it out. Now, I'll just talk about uh, three more episodes. Don't want to keep you guys here forever. But there was this one episode called Sunrise that was one of my favorites just because the ending was just such a mindfuck. I mean, these five college students uh, are exploring this Aztec site, and they find this uh, ancient remains and open it up, and it's filled with blood. But one of the fucking idiots knocks the blood over, and the sun immediately goes out. So they believe they just caused, like, a complete ice age, and uh, they come to the conclusion that they have to replace the blood with one of their own... And, one, and sacrifice one of them. So it's really fucked up. You see what happens, who they choose, if they do choose anyone, and then the big mind fuck at the end. Great episode. It's called Sunrise. You could probably uh, check these all out on YouTube, too. I'm pretty sure most of these are on there. So, yeah, check out. Make sure you watch Sunrise for sure. And Eye of the Beholder, of course. And then these next two are just ones that I personally liked. Uh, this one, Memphis, it's not really that scary. It's... um starring Eric LaSalle from ER, and he's like, you find out at the beginning he has this brain disease, and he ends up getting hit by a car and goes back in time, and he believes he has to save Martin Luther King from being assassinated. But he also makes friends with uh, this woman and her son, and it's just, I don't know, the whole thing together was just a really well-told story, well-written and well-acted, and the Ending was a sick twist that did not see coming. It was awesome. So make sure you check that one out as well. It's Memphis. And the last one I'm going to talk about, this one was kind of predictable, um, but I didn't give a shit. I loved it. It's called The Collection, and it stars Jessica Simpson when she was, like, super hot early 2000s. And she's playing a babysitter. And all the babysitters that uh, go to this house once never want to come back because this little child is fucking has a bunch of problems, whatever. But this little girl has this giant collection of Barbie dolls in this glass case that's always locked. But Jessica Simpson accidentally opens it and forgets to lock it. And the dolls get out and wreak fucking havoc. But then there's a twist ending. Of course there's a twist ending. It's a Twilight Zone. So this episode is scary, has dolls, and a super hot Jessica Simpson. So this is probably my favorite episode. Even though I know it's definitely not the best episode. 
my personal favorite. So make sure you check all those out. Um, I think that's about it for this rate and review, except I should probably give the full season a rating. Um, considering it's Twilight Zone, I don't think I could forgive myself if I went any lower than an 8. So I'm going 8.2 out of 10. Twilight Zone's amazing. Watch every episode you can. Most of them are on YouTube now, so they're pretty easy to find. And if not, just go pick them up at your local video store. Although I doubt anybody has a local video store anymore. But that does it for me today. Um, Make sure you like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Podcast. And also check out our YouTube page. It's just Podcast on YouTube. So yeah, I guess I'll see you guys next time. Peace out and try not to have too many nightmares.